Join the Geek Therapy Discord server, which is without a doubt the most active community space we have right now. Get your invitation at geektherapy.com slash discord. Welcome to Headshots, the psychology and gaming show on the Geek Therapy Network. My name is Osai Cardona, joined by Lauren Keller. What up? Lauren, what are we talking about today? Video games, psychology. Ow! That's what we're here for. That wasn't helpful, though. Okay, no. I guess I'll, I guess I'll pitch what we're what we're talking about today. Do it. <laughs> um, usually, we we come up with uh, ideas for the show from articles that we read. Usually, in like gaming, technology, magazines, websites, things like that. And so, there was an article on Kotaku that said, "I'd have these extremely graphic dreams." what it's like to work on ultra-violent games like Mortal Kombat 11. There, there are other uh, articles uh, that talk about this sort of thing, but I think it's, it's fascinating. Uh, the article, the, the person is uh, anonymously sharing their story about how not only like, you know, extremely graphic dreams, they eventually went to a therapist and they were diagnosed with PTSD all because of the exposure to and not only the exposure, like it's a it's a developer who is animating and working on these things. I believe in this article in particular, it was the fatality animations themselves, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. yeah. Like, like not only seeing that over and over again, but building it, right? Like making that real. And mm-hmm. I like the way the article starts off with, yeah, those fatalities are seconds long in matches that are minutes long. And that's pretty much our general exposure at a time as the player, but it's very different for the people making the games. It is. There's a big distinction in, you know, when you're, when you're playing Mortal Kombat, it's like, of course it's, it is a violent video game. There's violence in it. Um, but you know, you're also spending a lot of time just, you know, waiting for the level to load and picking your character and looking at your cool poses when you win and everything and it's not you just watching the the fatality you know two and a half second fatality animation over and over and over and over frame by frame and that's just the animation part when you get into like the actual art like when you when you're doing the animation at least it's abstracted in such a way that it's not necessarily obviously violent um like one of one of the other articles uh, from Gama Sutra a couple of years back also talked about um, Mortal Kombat specifically and uh, was talking about how it's like they have like an evisceration move where you like rip out guts of a person and for the um, the the animator like they didn't have like guts animation so they used basically what looked like a bunch of bones that were connected to each other so in that part, it's like you have this sort of gray body shape that doesn't really have any distinguishing features. It's either sort of feminized or sort of masculinized. And then uh, a chain of bones coming out of the, the abdomen area is like, okay, that's weird, but maybe not like viscerally upsetting. But then you have have the artist who has to hand draw like intestines on top of those bone snakes and has to draw like, you know, a rib bone poking out of someone's flesh and like spurts of blood coming out and stuff like that and that's like that gets uh, a lot a lot a lot harder to abstract away from like wow this is 
hmm, mega violence. Now, I've never seen someone get their spine ripped out through their chest, but uh, not in real life. But in the game, it looks pretty gory. <laughs> and part of the problem isn't just animating and creating that, it's the reference material. Mm -hmm. So someone is looking at what that might look like. And in some cases, I'm imagining they're actually looking at whatever is closest to that actually happening. Yeah, yeah. So in that Gama Sutra article, there's a perfect example. They were talking to um, somebody who worked on uh, doing level design for Halo 3. Well, doing lots of design for Halo 3, but specifically yeah. those levels where you're in, uh, like, in the hive area and you're in these, like, gross, squishy tunnels with these weird, like, butthole doors and everything was like the joke I made the first time I played through that game. Turns out the guy who designed that level based the level off of colonoscopy videos. So they are <laughs> butthole doors, 100%. Yeah. And he was yeah. talking about how he is like, you know, his coworkers would make jokes about like, oh, don't go to his desk because you'll, you know, you'll catch sight of something nasty. And he was looking at, you know, terrible funguses and, and awful like, you know, uh, resistant treatment infections to try and get like the grossest kind of textures that read real enough that it fits within the game world but is still like the fantastical game space and so the yeah. answer there is like what if it was a giant colon filled with nightmare mushrooms <laughs> it's like oh god it's so it's so scary yeah 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 i mean yeah, like like the flood's disgusting and annoying, right? And in in, mm -hmm. in earlier games, but the idea, like he he says that people would walk by his desk and scream, you know, at the sight of some of the stuff that that was there. So, yeah, uh, I think he said eight months he was looking at stuff like that on his computer so he could make something that looked like that. So mm -hmm. if if you go back to Mortal Kombat or or any other type of I mean, Mortal Kombat is a great example because I can't think of a more of a gorier, uh, more exaggerated video game. Maybe, maybe Doom, but those are still monsters. Yeah, right? I they kind of just explode. They don't like you don't rip people's hearts out of their chests. Yeah. There's you don't crack their skull with a hard enough punch. <laughs> there's definitely, um, I would say, like in uh, the Tomb Raider reboot games, uh, seeing Lara's death animations over and over again. And like, I didn't work on that game. I just played it, but I did die a lot. And so I saw some like fucked up animations there that somebody spent, you know, weeks months a good portion of a year you know working on and you know finding reference materials and designing it and making it work in the game and polishing it and then testing it and all of these people are interacting with that that one you know particularly violent image over and over and over again it's like it's not necessarily that it's it's inherently bad. It's just, it's so concentrated. I can't really see any way that that wouldn't end up having negative impacts on people. It's just, you you hit like a concentration point where it's like, it's too much. So, man, that's, yeah, Tomb, Tomb Raider is a great example because I remember feeling very uncomfortable. Oh yeah, those, I got I got in the, in the 2013. Or the original reboot, yeah. Oh God! When did that? Two thousand nine? Fuck! I don't remember what. But yeah, the original, the first one, <laughs> the first reboot, 
there's a part where you are like parachuting down a like a waterfall canyon and there are a bunch of tall trees to the either sides and you have to like dodge them as you go down this pathway and it's supposed to be i assume a pretty basic part of the game where you just you know you go left right and then center and then left and then the section is done well it's visually hard to read the hitboxes of the trees so i watched lara get impaled like through the face by a tree branch like Mm, I want to say like 20 times before I finally got past that part, which is embarrassing on its own right. But also, it made me feel really gross and yucky. And basically, once we got to the next part where it auto-saved, I'm like, I'm done for the night. Like, I need, let's watch some Steven Universe. Uh, uh, that was that was too much face impalement. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a similar experience. One, I died a lot. Two, I also blamed the game. <laughs> Three, very uncomfortable to watch. Remember, they, I think, I think they turn black and white, right? When, mm-hmm. for those death scenes, that's probably just so it looks less gory. Yeah. Like, I saw her neck snap. I saw her get impaled in different ways. I saw so many different deaths. And, you know, I go to Mortal Kombat for that, but I don't like that in my Tomb Raider. It doesn't make the experience any better. It doesn't motivate me to not die or play better (laughs) and and i had a similar experience i was like oh i can't see this anymore i recently watched the boys on amazon Mm -hmm. and that show in the first like five minutes of this is kind of a spoiler but it happens in the first five minutes and it's in the trailers there's this superhero that's like a like the flash super fast and he runs through a person and this person explodes it is so disgusting but also so like when I saw that, so five minutes into this show, I stopped it and I had to take a break because it affected me that much. And one thing that, that I, I want to make clear about, about this, this idea that something could possibly traumatize you. It doesn't have to be eight months of prolonged exposure. Many times when someone is diagnosed with PTSD, it was one event. It was one moment. Sometimes it was a very fast moment. Like I uh, was diagnosed with PTSD after a car accident and that car accident was, I don't know, what was it? Like two seconds. Yeah. And then for almost 10 years, I had nightmares um, and I still can't, like I still have triple driving. Like I have to spend a lot of time practicing and warming up again, you know, exposing myself to driving to be able to get to a point where I can comfortably drive. But if I stop for a while, I go back and it's really, really hard. I get nervous in cars. Again, it was a two second experience when I was 18. So these, this type of thing, like it makes sense to me. Not, not even the fact that like I can't imagine, I don't know, it gets more complicated when you talk about being exposed over a long period of time. When you talk about a surprise, like it's not surprising to see uh, someone chopped in half in Mortal Kombat but it is surprising in Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an expectation there. I don't know. There, there's so much to this, and it's just really, really interesting. And we have enough articles where we see completely different experiences, kind of in the same development environment. Yeah, I um, I found a report. The Eyewitness Media Hub report, Making Secondary Trauma a Primary Issue, a Study of Eyewitness Media and Vicarious Trauma on the Digital Frontline. 
Um, this is a 69 page report. Nice. Um, so I did not read the whole thing, but I did read through the executive summary and I read through their um, methodology. And basically what they were looking at is um, eyewitness media is user generated content. So that is uh, people, you know, taking videos on their phone and tweeting it. And then you see uh, like reporters uh, un- responding to that tweet with permission to use the video. Um, those are the people that they're looking at mostly. And so they were looking at uh, specifically in journalism spaces and in humanitarian and human rights spaces. So people who are generally dealing with like a lot of negative images and videos. And they interviewed them to sort of see, one, like how much of this work are they regularly doing? Um, Is it, you know, frequently... Uh, distressing and traumatic or is it just sort of like that's the job Um, and you know also asking a bunch of questions about what their employers were doing in response to that issue and so they were looking at things like giving people breaks from looking at this kind of stuff or or um, having like having people like only working on that job for a couple of weeks at a time before they get cycled into a different you know, part of the the workflow hmm. and that sort of thing. And basically they found that a, a large portion of these people were spending a significant amount of time looking at awful materials and were all exhibiting like negative outcomes from that. They were, you know, um, because a lot of the times that, that stuff that they're reviewing is um, private, so they can't talk to their friends or families about it, so they don't have the the typical support system they would have. A lot of them were doing that kind of work for like over six hours a day, so it's like full shifts, just the whole shift is staring at nightmare stuff. And, gosh, at least a third of the people they interviewed said that like, they weren't really getting support at work. And there was actually a pretty cool distinction in, in there is that um, the humanitarian and human rights activists tended to see that as like part of the job. And if you want to be here, you have to like nut up or shut up sort of situation. But the journalists had more of like the leadership and, and um, manager roles tended to be more like, no, this is a legitimate problem and we need to you know at least address it, if not actively try and Uh, train for it and have systems in place to treat it when it inevitably happens. Um, So it's sort of interesting to see that. But, you know, that's not directly related to video games, but it sort of makes me think in video games, there is definitely that that same culture of like, you know, violence is part of the game. Like, you know, if you don't like it, there's the door, get out. And I'm like, there's... There, there is a, a saturation point, like we were talking about earlier. It's just at a certain point, you can't turn off your brain, and your brain is so filled with with horrifying things that you can't unload anywhere. That it just saturates your whole life, and people become very isolated, and they become depressed and or anxious. They they have PTSD symptoms, and, and it's like all of these things are happening so how do game studios how do you know journalists and and humanitarian and human rights workers and 
uh, people who moderate videos on YouTube or on Facebook or any other place where you're interacting with potentially a lot of really violent, horrifying stuff, how do those employers build systems in which they protect their workers from trauma, whether that's, you know, limiting the amount of time any one person spends on any particularly violent thing, or if that's making sure that everybody has to go to like counseling or therapy as part of doing that job, which I'm like, why don't you do that? (laughs) So, so like to to clarify, we're talking about people who, who have this as their job, like their livelihood depends on seeing these things or making these things like yeah we gave examples yeah. of, of playing video games like you, you can stop right <laughs> there's nobody's forcing you to to play a game that that has these type of things or watch a movie etc anything like that mm-hmm. but as as the creator again i think that there are tons of parallels between anyone who is exposed to this type of thing as part of their work mm-hmm. any kind of trauma right secondary trauma vicarious trauma i mean you know in mental health therapists psychologists they they go through this too like it's a lot of stuff that you're getting from from other people mm-hmm. and but when we're talking about something like and i i do want to talk about the like that eyewitness example facebook moderators youtube moderators like last year youtube implemented a new policy where it was like maximum four hours a day that you can mm-hmm. see fucked up shit that sounds horrible yeah now, four uh, hours a day doing that, and then four more hours of just lying in the puppy room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason why those jobs exist is to then protect more people from being exposed to that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's complicated, but at least. Like, yeah, there are ways to do it. Like, look at what mental health professionals uh, do. They're exposed to this kind of stuff all the time. People who work in hospitals, um, uh, first responders, things like that, see what what they go through to help them deal with this stuff. And it's like, also, you're not, like, first responding to four hours of brand new material every two minutes, right? I mean, it's still... But, but I think that there are lessons that we can learn from different places and i understand a company like youtube saying we're not going to expose everybody children you know other people to these horrible things that people are uploading we can't control with an algorithm that these things are blocked and actually they are to an extent they do have things in place but they still need humans to like double check and make sure that nothing gets through and and mm-hmm. things will still get through but there is, you know, there is a reason why they're doing it, whether it's for their bottom line or just to, to actually protect people. There's a reason why they're doing this. When we're talking about video games, like what is what is the like we're talking about entertainment, right? Yep. There is no reason why if you or if I do not want to or if I feel uncomfortable, even just uncomfortable, like let's start with discomfort as a, as a negative outcome. You said negative outcomes before negative outcomes can range anywhere from again, discomfort to when we talk about PTSD, symptoms of that include intrusive thoughts. So maybe I, in the middle of a conversation or a movie or, you know, just drinking my coffee, I suddenly get an image or I remember something violent or disgusting that I saw from before. 
when I don't want that, right? It just it just happens, it just appears to me. Uh, it can happen that it's in your dreams, right? You're you can develop, like you said, um, isolating behaviors, depression. There's so many negative outcomes, and and those are some of the ones we're we're talking about. But if we go at the like the least possible, just being discomfort, like ew, I don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason why I'm tolerating that is one because I gotta pay the bills, and two so that people will enjoy their fatalities. It's it's like it's hard to it's it's so hard for me to to play any like play devil's advocate in any sort of yeah. way to justify forcing and now i'm not saying that any developer is forcing their employees to do this right i'm not saying and i'm not saying that employees no but it's probably not opt-in yeah and i'm not saying that it, they can just get up and go and any I'm, I'm sure that there are there are you know developers designers artists who you know are very resilient to that kind of imagery and it and even if they were working on it not only resilient but like enjoy it well i'd be i didn't want to go that direction but sure that there can also be that aspect to it so it's not going to impact everybody equally which is why i think you need to have systems in place to like check in with your workers um but yeah like like you said it's like there is it's for entertainment so it's not we're not you know talking about current events that are actually happening we're talking about two video game skeletons touching each other's bones and stuff like that and so it's like okay well where where is the acceptable line i don't know that there's an answer for that like if you are a youtube moderator and in your workload in your queue suddenly a beheading comes up And you watch that and just so you can flag it as a no and then like block that account. Like, you know, you're, you're doing you're doing people a service mm-hmm. at a cost to you, obviously, but you're doing people a service. If you are watching beheading videos to animate beheadings in Mortal Kombat or, <laughs> or other games, that's oh, that's so that's rough. That's truly rough. Yeah. Again, th- if you don't like, I feel I feel so bad for anyone who is who is in that position and doesn't want to be, and or even wants to be, and then suddenly, it's it becomes too much. I think a part of it is as video games have become better graphically. There's been this sort of push towards like realism as being the coolest. And in some ways that it is really cool. It is really cool to have, you know, almost photographic, realistic cutscenes in your video games and having actual like cool, believable animations in game and stuff like that. As as games have gotten more and more realistic, just sort of chasing that ideal of realism is better in gaming. Uh, there maybe wasn't a ton of consideration placed on the genre of games that we should be putting realism into. So it's like, there's one thing I'm thinking about, like a hyper-realistic farming game. It's like, okay, I'm intrigued. But a hyper-realistic, like, murder game is like, okay, well, why? Why do we need it to be hyper-realistic? 
And, and, you know, there are legitimate reasons to want to go that way. The same that there are legitimate reasons for making violent, disgusting choices in, in you know, horror film and, and TV shows and stuff like that. But it needs to be considered. You can't just be like, that sounds cool. I'm throwing it in. You really need to think about, like, is it beneficial to our players and to our developers, if this dog getting sliced open reads as 100% realistic to an actual dog getting sliced open, it's like, maybe it doesn't. Maybe we don't need to go 100% realistic on that. Maybe you don't need to make your designers stare at dog slicing videos for half a day before they can start animating. Maybe we skip that part. I don't think that Mortal Kombat is necessarily photorealistic. It is cartoonish in its oh. violence. Yeah, and I, that's sort of why I feel like it's it's more okay. But but the developers are referencing real materials to make their their sort of cartoony animated stuff, yeah. and so like yeah. they're actually watching you know people's limbs getting torn off and things like that. Is like okay, did you need to actually like reference realistic stuff to make it feel good, or did you just like the idea of like oh violent? It's so realistic, and people are gonna love seeing this sinew stretch and tear oh yeah metal (laughs) i say this like enjoying violent video games and horror games which all use a lot of really horrifying source material for sure um but i do i i think i guess maybe what i'm really getting down to here is being thoughtful of the whole process not just how are the players going to respond to this cool nasty scene but also considering like, okay, how long is this going to take our designers to make this team and how fucked up is it going to be to work on this nasty thing for that long? <laughs> Just in general, thinking about your employees more often and oh, yeah, for giving reals. them access to breaks and <laughs> actually supervising to make sure, like, that's, a, that's an excellent point, right? You don't have to, what did you say, like, look at a, like, a realistic slicing open of a dog or something like that like like i'm sure that video exists it does I agree you don't have to <laughs> go get to that level like is someone is is your boss requiring that level of, of realism for your game or not necessarily like boss asked for it, but it's like if you're having, you know, team meetings and everybody's like, okay, we're going to start working on, you know, this this set of stuff. And, you know, we want to reference like this look and this outfit and like here's um, some animation, some some video clips we can use for animation references. And then like, okay, everybody go find some more references. And there's like an implication of like finding, you know, find more beheading videos (laughs) instead of like straight up go find beheading videos. It's like, you know, it'd be cool if we had three or four beheading videos to reference. I don't know if this is the best angle. Yeah. Oh God, sorry. I grossed myself out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to, I'm going to add one more thing before we, we take a break, which is that the other day I saw a video of uh, on YouTube called uh, the channel is Corridor Crew and they do visual effects f- for movies and stuff mm-hmm. and they they went ahead and they took scenes from Captain America Civil War and they made them R rated. Basically, <laughs> they were saying like if these people had this kind of power, these bad guys wouldn't just fall over; they wouldn't just land on the wall. So they yeah. wanted to make it more realistic and. 
to me, I think it's a hilarious video. Like Captain America kicks somebody so hard that they like splat on the wall, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, not completely, but like, like there's some blood there, you know? And like he hit somebody in the shield with the neck at the, at the neck. So like that head's coming off. He's slicing people in half, you know, like Scarlet Witch is literally like compressing a person's body and just like breaking it down. It is, it's like, it's, it's the R-rated version <laughs> of something. But also, Marvel movies are the biggest money makers in the world. Mm-hmm. Endgame is the highest grossing film of all time, and it's not R-rated, and it doesn't have all of that. So just an- another thing that came to mind was, you don't, yeah, I mean, your artistic intention, like, you know, do what you want. But also, like, you don't need that necessarily. <laughs> you don't need that at all. Yeah. It's like... um We've had another conversation where we were talking about being very intentional about the choices of the kinds of stuff that you put into your game. And I think violent and gory and and sexually violent stuff is something that perhaps deserves to be considered two or three times before you make a decision on it. Just because, you know, like we like we started with is like maybe your players are only going to see it, you know for a minute or 30 seconds or maybe some of them will never see it because it's in the end game and most players won't ever get to the end game but somebody is having to look at that and process that over and over and over again and and you know that's the the animators the art designers the qa testers all of that and so it's like don't just think about the player's experience though you should prioritize your player experience but also, you know, consider your workers' experiences. And, you know, we 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 want to make these workplaces better so that people actually, like, can make games instead of burning out after five years and then having to spend the next 15 years treating their vicarious PTSD. <laughs> so, yeah, being yes. more considerate. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it does sex sell? If it bleeds, it leads. Is that still true? Is that true in every instance? Is it worth the investment? I don't know. Well, it's it's like it's it's not even necessarily that it it sells. It catches attention, but you need to be careful in your choices about what kind of attention you want. Just catching people's eyes isn't enough because people will look at things that they're horrified by and then turn away <laughs> and. Then, Never thinking about it again. Um, but, but again, yeah. the, the idea of it bleeds, it leads, and, and sex sells is the idea yeah. that, that doing that has a return on investment. Mm-hmm. And But does it really? You know, like, are you sure? Are you just doing that because people tell you that? Or is, yeah. it, is it true? How much of it is just tradition of, you know, the past 30 years of video game sales have been like, oh, yeah, action movies, rippling biceps, people terrorists getting chopped in half explosions that you don't look at and you walk away from with your sunglasses on did the genesis version of mortal kombat actually sell more than the nintendo version (laughs) because the blood was red and not green i don't know i don't know the numbers so what i what i'd like to do after the break and you tell me uh how you feel about this but is speak directly to developers with kind of the ideas that we have and things to, to take into consideration. Like we kind of like tiptoed around that stuff, but like being explicit in giving some sort of. Yeah. And, and that's a, a good point you made about changing the color of the blood is I, I know of you know, a handful of games that have various game options that allow you to make things more or less violent. Um, I know 
Silent Hill games have, um, I'm not sure which ones, but some of them have options for turning on and off blood. So it just doesn't show up. You don't um, leave bloody footprints when you walk through the corpses of your slain enemies. Um, or you can change the color of the blood to make it like green or purple to be sillier. So it's not as obviously violent. Um, I know of a couple of other games that that are willing to sort of like step back on the violence aspect but while that is great for the player you still have a design team that's designing both the less horrifying and the ultra horrifying versions so mm, mm, something to think on (laughs) all right so let's let's speak specifically and directly to developers when we come back after the break The Geek Therapy Discord is incredible. We've got channels for all types of games and fandoms, plus channels for music, cooking, cute things, and emotional support. We even have an accomplishments channel where we share wins, big or small. It's a very supportive place. It's incredible. I love it. I think you will too. Even if online communities aren't your thing, or if you're just a lurker, check out the Geek Therapy Discord. You won't regret it. Join us by visiting geektherapy.com slash discord. All right, so let's talk directly to people making games i have a few ideas things that i i think should be considered we mentioned some before but i think they're definitely worth repeating i feel like in in a few different shows on the geek therapy network lately we've been talking about employment and treating your employees uh not just with with respect but with dignity and this is a a huge part of it right like at the at the as part of that creative process as part of that product that you're making, what are you asking of your employees? Absolutely. So right off the bat, what are, what are some of the things uh, on your mind that you, you want to tell people? Don't ask your developers to go on live leaks to find beheading videos. <laughs> so the, yeah. So really easy. So, number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, like, like we, we said before, we don't know if, anyone is actually asking their employees to to go uh, look at something like this but just because you're not doesn't mean that your employees aren't <laughs> so first of all like right like don't it's hard to say like I, i'm trying to think of why you would even ask someone to do that <laughs> at all <laughs> like there's enough anime out there right that you could probably reference and looks cool enough it doesn't have to be photorealistic but yeah but that stuff there's a there's a cost that can come with that and Maybe it's not that drastic, right? Maybe it's something like uh, breaking bone, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Which is still something that, like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't see it. Like, not even like in a comedy when somebody like breaks their bone and sticks out and something like, like, ew, I can't, I can't watch, I, I can't look at it. I don't want to <laughs> look at it. Uh, even something like that, or or any any kind of violence, uh, really. I, th- I'm gonna say if your team has to look at it. Like don't don't have somebody carry that alone, right? And I mean that in, in a few different ways. Like make sure that you're aware of what people are, are looking at and and consuming. But maybe like while you're, you know, consuming that, I, I hate to say like instead of showing one person, show two people <laughs> <laughs> or show a room full. But I think that carrying that load, right? Like together being able to address some of these things with someone else so you're not carrying it alone at, is some, like least possible thing that could be helpful <laughs> if you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think incorporating more more 
teamwork into it helps reduce the the chances of people like really isolating themselves about it because at least they have somebody it's like well you know (laughs) you get it um but i also think I, i mean i know you know some some game developer teams are pretty small so it wouldn't really be feasible to have have teams in that way but having something instead where it's like if you know your team is working on something particularly violent during the week having something you know at the end of the day or at the end of the week where it's you know everybody gets together and maybe you have some sort of debrief where people can talk about like I was doing okay until I watched that one video and then like it really messed me up and I, I had to take a, a break and, and sort of talk, you know, talk through those feelings with each other. Ideally with some sort of facilitator who knows how to deal with that kind of conversation, but that that could be something that is just, you know, the, the team does it together as a way to sort of process together what they're working on in such a way that, like you said, they don't have to deal with it alone. Yeah. Again, I don't feel great about that suggestion. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it anyway, at least have some support in place. At the very least, right? Uh, That kind of support. And obviously, in terms of support, you know, make it okay for people to take a break. Make it okay for people to say, I've had enough. And not fear that they're going to lose their job or be reprimanded in some way because what you're asking of them is emotionally and psychologically harmful right like there's workers comp for for physical injuries Mm -hmm. right we don't talk about workers comp for emotional and psychological uh, injuries (laughs) nope we We should should, though yeah let's start that conversation because you know you're you're putting people in harm's way Mm mm-hmm but and then you know the the next step would be you know does everybody have health insurance like mm-hmm. are you are you putting contractors in this position contractors who are possibly working part time and do not have access to health insurance so that put that work put that harmful work on the people who are full time and have access to health insurance so they can deal with that if they and, and get help with that if they need it absolutely or just, you know, hire a therapist. <laughs> Why isn't there a therapist role in game development companies? I feel like games would benefit from that. So, so we're making jobs over here. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that's interesting. There there are multiple reasons, but you could contract uh, like an EAP company, which is um, employee assistance program, so they could always have someone on staff. You can you can make deals with um, different health insurance companies or mental health providers so that they can provide services to to your employees. That's something that you could negotiate, you know, separately from health insurance or, or another. And even if it's just during the time that you're doing something that is dangerous, because mm-hmm. because again, what we're talking about is this is potentially dangerous. It's not going to affect everybody the same. It's not going to, um, again, like we looked at enough articles where some people found their own ways to deal with it, but some people it was, it was too much for them. And it's not something that you can, you can't predict that beforehand. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do it, like there are ways to be prepared. Yeah. I mean, part, part of that preparation, I would hope 
uh, if you are intending, like, from the get-go, you're like, I'm going to make a video game that involves murdering, there's going to be violence in it, like, that that will be happening, and and making sure that anybody that you are hiring onto your team is 100% aware of that and is making an informed, conscious choice to participate in that. And still, as we said before, has the option to be like, too much, I need to step out uh, or step back without being retaliated against. I get it. Your game started as a match the three puzzler with gummy bears, and it ended up being a horror zombie samurai gun-toting explosion simulator or something. I get it. That happens. That's a real zag. (laughs) Yeah, it happens. You pivoted. Everybody's there now. (laughs) Let everybody know. Yeah. (laughs) The more informed people are, the more informed your employees are. Again, like that happens, right? Usually not that big of a pivot, but it happens. You're on one project. You're working on, uh, what is it? Like Naughty Dog makes... Crash Bandicoot, and then they make The Last of Us. They didn't make them in that order, but it's the same company. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big difference. The Last of Us. I can't. I can't play The Last of Us. Like I, I, can't, I couldn't finish the first one because of this type of thing. Like I felt so uncomfortable with the tension and the violence in that game. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. That yeah. is super photorealistic. I don't know what the developers at Naughty Dog are going through. I would. I would love to to talk to. And maybe we will talk to uh, different companies and see how they deal with this and how they they take care of their employees. Yeah, and there's there's two sides of that that we're touching on. There's the you know preparation prevention side where you are trying to diminish potential harm before you even start the thing, and then there's you know reactive actions to when people come to you saying like uh, I'm having consistent reoccurrent nightmares about that you know that animation that we're working on right now um, of the you know the little girl getting chopped in half and it's really fucking me up it's like okay well what what are the steps that you're going to take to deal with that like those kinds of things shouldn't be like it happens and then you figure out how to deal with it. That you should have plans in, in place beforehand. If you know you're getting involved in, in violent, grotesque, gory stuff, it's like you know there is a potential for harm there. So you should be planning, you should be planning how to reduce that, how to help people when they are harmed. And don't necessarily come up with that plan on your own. Get some outside help or consulting. Call us. Mm-hmm. We'll help you. Right? There are there are informed ways of this. Again, there are different industries that deal with this in different ways. And, and having a plan in place for your employees is so good for, for your employees and for your company. If you have your workers working in an office as opposed to working at home, try and limit the amount of like at home work that your employees do on that kind of violent stuff. Because I think having a a physical space that is separate, because I'm imagining like looking at these kinds of videos while you're, you know, drinking your coffee at home before you go into the office or whatever. It's like, that's awful. So having some sort of like actual spaces like this is the scary room where you do the scary research and the scary work and then you leave the scary room and you're fine it's great again that's not feasible for every development company but if you have the means to do so that 
I feel would be a really useful thing uh, to protect your employees is making sure that not only are you verbally encouraging a, a good work-life balance, but also like literally enforcing it. Like you cannot work on this violent animation at home. Don't do it. <laughs> Watch cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Mandated cartoon watching. Mandated cartoon watch. You know, maybe that's the answer is just make it so, uh, you know, every every person who works, whether they're a contractor or full-time employee, um, they have a mandated half-hour cartoon at the end of their day. It's like you have to watch cartoons at the end of the day to chill out <laughs> before you get to go home. <laughs> something like Disney Sumsums, you know, like something really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep thinking of... I love this idea of planning and having and being prepared Mm -hmm. because you can't really predict what's going to happen. You can't interview someone and say, hey, we're going to, you know, your one of your main tasks is going to be dismemberment or blood splatter. (laughs) Right. And the person says, like, yeah, like, yeah, no problem. One hundred percent. It's like, okay. You know, and you give them a stamp of uh, of approval because you know they they said that they love that stuff and and they have no problem with that. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, you there's no reason to know that that's going to be that that it's going to be fine, uh, even in the short term, let alone the long term. Mm-hmm. Also, the employee themselves are, just, are they're not going to know. Like, they, they may not know what they. Yeah what they don't know what the future holds they don't know what their threshold is and they don't know what that one thing that one day where they were a particular way is going yeah. to affect them so exactly so having the things in place to to help them if and when it happens if you insist on on, <laughs> on having this uh in your game have as much there uh, to support and don't rely or don't expect that you can possibly avoid it through like some sort of um, vetting process. Yeah. And I think that also has the side benefit of communicating to your employees that you legitimately care about their well-being and you treat them with respect as autonomous humans with feelings who get affected by the things that they consume. Uh, I mean, I don't I know, know, Lauren, that could lead to then more honesty and communication between your employees and your employer. That could be extremely good. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, as an employee, I would, even if I don't think, like, I have a strong stomach, I watch a lot of gory, violent stuff, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty desensitized to a lot of that. I grew up on, like, Rotten.com when I first started going on the internet. So it's like, uh, that stuff does not really shock me so much anymore. But if I was applying for a job and they... The, the person hiring or attempting to hire me wasn't like, hey, you know, we have these systems in place to to deal with, you know, like we we want to make sure that you're cared for. So we have systems in place if you ever need help or need resources or anything like that is like that would be a big bonus point in my job searching and finding a good employer is like, oh, wow, you you actually care. Even if it's just lip service, at least you took the time to tell me now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that makes a big difference. <laughs> Again, I think I just I just want to reiterate that the stuff that we're talking about is serious. It is potentially dangerous. Um, you don't know how it's going to affect people. 
speaking as a mental health professional, someone who worked as a therapist for years, and like it is hard to take on and be just be exposed to so much trauma and just bad stuff, right? Whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And in whatever form that may be, it is it is hard and you don't know what is going to affect people. Again, I went into that thinking, I'm going to help people. That was my motivation. That was my purpose. And still, it was very, very hard and it required a lot of support. And again, those jobs have that built in. Mm-hmm. And, and so do many other helping professions. I'm concerned and I hope that these articles that we found continue to have to, to lead that conversation. When someone reads, Oh, YouTube limited exposure to fucked up shit to four hours a day. We can all say like, how is that good? <laughs> like, how is that? Well, what was it before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh no, no, that's way better than eight hours. I, I guess, but it's still, what are, <laughs> it's still four hours, <laughs> still four hours a day for five days a week. That's it. it it's a lot. And it's, it's hard to explain. And, and honestly, I, I cannot relate to that because that is like concentrated version of what I've been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't imagine that intensity. I can't imagine eight months of our colonoscopy videos violent, right? From that Halo 3 example. It, no, not, no but, it's still, but they are gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a visceral reaction to seeing insides that people are just naturally very like, Ugh. Yeah. I, <laughs> again, I think many people are. And, mm-hmm. and and there is a threshold. There is only so much that, that people can handle. So it's it's good to, to keep that in mind and have that conversation going. Maybe Maybe my final suggestion is talk to your employees about this. Talk to them about it often. This and, and, and other things, you know, but this is something to be concerned about. This is something that you may not have a policy for, but at the very least, just talking about it, asking if anybody needs support, asking if anybody feels uncomfortable can go a really, really long way. Yep. I'm just like daydreaming about if like all jobs came with like support onboard support is like it doesn't matter what job you're doing you know that there is somebody that you can go to to be like i'm having a i'm having a real one and they're like come on in and let's talk about this yeah i mean what a wonderful world we could be in goals (laughs) hashtag goals (laughs) we can we can we can help make that happen little by little i think i think it's yeah it's important that we're talking about these things more and more often. Yeah, I think my my last point is that talking about this in general is beneficial to everybody because it makes it easier to talk about to other people. So if you have ever seen something on the internet, whether or not it was during work, having a conversation with somebody else and being like, yeah, you know, I saw that thing and it really fucked me up for a while, helps normalize those feelings. It makes it easier for everybody to talk about that makes it easier to make systems in place that are prepared for those kinds of situations. And we can learn from each other about how to deal with it. And Hell yeah. All right. So that does it for this episode of Headshots. Thank you so much for, for listening. You can join our Discord server to talk to the community about everything. We got, we got channels for everything. It's fantastic. Also, we stream every week 
on twitch.tv slash geek therapy so swing by and say hi ask us about anything that we talk about on the show or anything psychology and or gaming related we'd love to talk to you for more episodes of headshots visit headshotspodcast.com thank you again for listening and we'll be back in two weeks